as a shipper, what are your more serious pain points when moving your product by ocean freight? Peter from IHS Market gives us the scoop in episode one of season two on Let's Talk Supply Chain. So go check out that episode now. Welcome to Let's Talk Supply Chain. My name is Sarah Barnes-Humphrey, and each week I bring you the top supply chain professionals in the industry. You will learn about best practices, new innovation, and most up-to-date information about supply chain. I believe that collaboration is the future of business, and I have designed this show to ensure you have all the information you need to succeed in business and in your supply chain. First, a word from our sponsor, Border Buddy. More and more companies are looking to expand their reach into global markets, but most don't know where to start or don't have the time to figure it out. Border Buddy sees the struggle and has created a way for you to integrate customs into your e-commerce shopping cart, like Shopify, Magento, eBay, and others, allowing you ease and peace of mind when selling to customers in North America. Your customers will know exactly how much the costs are to import their order from your door to theirs in real time. We're the first API-based custom solution. Just imagine what that will do for your business and your sales. Visit us and sign up for 10% off your first clearance at borderbuddy.com forward slash let's talk supply chain. Hello and welcome back to all our listeners. This is episode two of season two, Let's Talk Supply Chain. And today is like none other on this show. We are speaking to Chris Lee, COO of Logistical Labs, about the similarities of Alice in Wonderland and the big data rabbit hole. Yes, you heard me, Alice in Wonderland, and you're going to hear more about that in a minute. Chris Lee is currently Chief Commercial Officer of Logistical Labs. Logistical Labs is a leader in the SaaS-based aggregation and optimization of transportation big data, allowing companies to monetize and deploy their analytics. Lee has been president of his consulting firm, Cell Unlimited, since 2010. Lee was also the president and CEO of Critical Express Logistics, or Exos Transport Group. Exos slash CEL uses a technology platform to streamline local pickup and delivery services. Prior to Exos, Lee was the SVP of strategic development at Blue Grace Logistics, where he impacted the carrier development, customer service, and pricing programs. During this time, he also owned a Blue Grace franchise in Dallas. Prior to Blue Grace, Lee was SVP of commercial freight development at UShip. Previously, Lee, Lee built up the freight business at Worldwide Express. And before his arrival, WWEX was only in the parcel delivery business. Lee was monumental in building one of the top three 3PLs in the industry, and overall in the past 20 years, Lee has been responsible for the movement of billions of dollars worth of freight in the less than truckload, truckload and international freight space. Having performed roles across sales and operations for asset and non-asset transportation providers, he is an expert in assembling solutions to meet the needs of shippers, logistics providers, and carriers alike. A veteran of the United States Marine Corps, 
In his spare time, Chris services, serves on the board of veterans-based charities such as Bird's Eye View Project. Welcome to the show, Chris. Thank you very much. Thank you. That is a great bio, and I, I love to hear more. And it's, it's so exciting to hear that you, you went into logistics from being in the United States Marine Corps. It's, it's, we've had a couple of people on the show that's done that. And I find that in logistics, people just sort of fall into it. So how did you get into logistics? from being in the Marine Corps? Well, actually, after the Marine Corps, I was in law enforcement in California for a while. And neither one of those were dangerous enough, so I thought I'd get into uh, transportation and supply chain. <laughs> That's amazing. I love that. So um, we're really excited to have you on the show today. I know you're super busy with speaking engagements across the country, so really thankful for you to make the time to come on the show today. So let's get started. Why don't you tell us about Logistical Labs and what it is that you guys do? Well, in short, we're, we're a SaaS platform. We integrate, aggregate, deploy analytics driven by big data. So we take uh, all those numbers and data and information that's been stored in transportation for the last several years uh, that no one's been able to do anything with, and we help folks monetize it and, and deploy it into the markets, whether it's being uh, quicker to market with a uh, cost or pricing strategy, uh, a more efficient process so uh, the reps can get more per seat or uh, a more strategic and tactical pricing. So just putting a wet finger up in the, in the wind and saying, uh, I think we can make this today. And we either, either overshoot it or leave money on the table. Um, put a program around that with a lot more thought process and uh, some take that tribal knowledge that one or two folks in the in the company might have and get it spread across the the entire program. That's awesome. I love that. And I know that, you know, data is a big, big subject um, in the world of supply chain and logistics right now because there's a lot of it out there and and not not many people know what to do with it or, or even know how to utilize it properly. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in the show. I love Alice in Wonderland and I love how you guys have sort of brought that into, you know, the whole data role in logistics. And just for our listeners, uh, there is going to be a free download that Logistical Labs has given us. Um, and that's going to be available to you at letstalksupplychain.com. So um, how did you come up with that analogy for big data? Well, in this case, um, I, I tend to speak uh, to a lot of people and companies uh, about getting lost down rabbit holes. Um, you know, look something shiny. That's the new trendy thing, this or that. Um, and I want to help them focus on strategic and decision-making decision making execution. For Stout, who you spoke to in our marketing department, she, when I have projects like this, she helps me out a lot. Number one, I'm a complete disaster on grammar and spelling. And see, what she does is she helps harness my, uh, uh, my ADD-driven short analogies that I throw out. I'm, I'm full of uh, analogies and phrases and bullet points and full of a lot of other stuff. But she takes those. Um, we collaborate, get together, and create a theme for a thought piece. So um, we've been on a, a tangent recently, again, about rabbit holes and where to put your time. And uh, Jennifer thought it would be a great idea to put a theme to this piece, being Alice in Wonderland. That's awesome. I love that. And it's it's really great because then you sort of take, you know, something like big data and logistics and supply chain and put it into, you know, almost something that people can relate to. So I like that. Um, you talk about in the in the download, you know, how we are chasing the elusive white rabbit. And you just mentioned the rabbit hole. Can you expand on that a little bit? How are we chasing that elusive white rabbit? 
Well, often uh, folks, you know, everybody wants to be trendy or they're getting pounded uh, through the, the, the industry media and consultants, you know, to make sure you're utilizing your data and big data and blockchain and everything else. But let's make sure we're not using data just for the sake of it or collecting it just for the sake of it. Um, we're not creating uh solutions that are waiting for a problem, if you will. So let's do some due diligence on the front end. Let's ensure the data integrity um, and, and its usefulness and, you know, kind of garbage in, garbage out of any type of uh, system or process. Again, just having huge numbers, that that's a, uh, it's a buttload of numbers. It's not big data. It's not big data until it can be used, until it can talk to other pockets of data and other sources of data, uh, have some synergy together, and then get used throughout your system in a way that's going to make you money at the end of the day. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's why we're all in business, right? Correct. <laughs> all right. So um, can you give us, let's start maybe talking about the challenges that businesses are facing. Do you have a couple of examples of that that you guys are are sort of facing when you're talking to customers? Like what what are they looking to, what are sort of the big maybe top three that they're looking to solve? Uh, gosh, there's a lot more than three, but you know, there's always um, market instability, right? And the truck, we, our main focus is in the truckload and intermodal worlds. And so, right now, in the truckload market, obviously, you know, it's kind of a record high. We're, we're doing fantastic right now. Um, as we're last year or two years ago, you know, we're like, oh my gosh, where's the next load going to be come from? They both have unique sets of problems. Last time it was, how can I make enough money and get enough loads? This time, am I taking the right loads? Am I leaving money on the table? Et cetera, et cetera. So, um, and then truckload capacity and pricing go hand in hand because that's what drives the markets. Um, you have a new dynamic now with ELDs, which is changing the capacity market because it's potentially limiting hours of your drivers. Um, on the hand, even when it's a fast moving um, spot market, you still need to have a clearly defined pricing structure and strategy with uniformity. So, again, that you're not leaving money on the table and you're covering the customers and the loads that need to be covered. But to do that takes time and process, right? So what can we also do to help to shorten that learning curve? Uh, another problem that's uh, rampant throughout the system, and this is almost all industries, but particularly in ours, even in larger companies, is you have siloed work efficiencies. So if you're big enough and you have an intermodal department and a truckload department and maybe an asset department, they all seem to work in silos and you're not getting synergy and best practices from them. Um, if for instance, is some of our largest customers um, really, you know, household names in our industry. If a truckload broker, um, he's, he's run a lane for somebody and he wants to compare it against an intermodal rate, he calls or emails his intermodal department and it takes them about 45 minutes for that information to come over. We've created a way that they can instantaneously look at all of their options on the intermodal side and the truckload side with historicals behind it. And again, these are great big companies that you think would have had this stuff done a long time ago. Uh, we've come in and helped them to, to be much more efficient in that way. And again, to bring in that I term, I use that term I stole from somebody somewhere, tribal knowledge, that all the knowledge in the world and experience in the world doesn't do a company any good if it's only inside of one head. We've got to get it out throughout the system so it can be deployed for everyone's use. Yeah, that word silos keeps coming up for me in, in many different aspects of logistics and supply chain, I find that the industry um, has been very much based on silos, whether it's within a company, whether it's, you know, carrier versus shipper versus 
even different aspects of the industry, whether it's trucking and ocean freight and, and parcel service and stuff like that. So silos is a really, really big one, I think, right now. Um, and, I, and I don't think it, it does a lot for business. Um, and I also think that one of the challenges, especially for trucking companies and things like that, you know, getting quotes out fast. Everybody wants the numbers fast. That's exactly right. Speed to market is huge. It's much like uh, um, kind of in warfare. You know, a good plan now is better than a perfect plan lately executed. You've already lost that load. So we all know, you know, the price has to be uh, competitive, right? But we all can beat a price after the fact. It's that speed to market. How fast can you get something back to your customer? And if, if you have to negotiate back and forth, even that process starts sooner. But we can't wait all day trying to get the perfect price. It's got to get there fast and then be responsive from there. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, especially in trucking, right? I mean, trucking, there's a lot less lead times than there is in international freight. You know, I mean, you could be talking about one day transit time, you know, two day transit time. And so, especially in those instances, I mean, ocean freight, you're, you could be talking about weeks. But with trucking, I mean, speed to market is even more important for the trucking companies than it is for, you know, the freight forwarders and, and things like that. Oh, yeah. Often, uh, you know, that, that shipper is blasted out to his different uh, uh, resources, what, what lane he's got, and it's a race to get back to him. Yeah. And so the, the other thing, possible. sorry, the other thing that you said was, or the other thing I wanted to mention was, um, is a challenge, you know, to do with truck capacity as well. Because I, um, I had Green Shipping Line on the show a few episodes ago, and they're looking to use inland waterways uh, to be able to alleviate some of the, the trucking capacity issues. So I believe that that's also an issue facing that, that uh, industry. It's our biggest issue. I mean, you know, driver shortage is uh, the, the, the biggest um, discussion piece in most of the conferences. You know, can we hire enough? Where are they at? Are they retiring too soon? Um, and that, that covers a lot, a lot of a lot of ramifications throughout the system. So, you know, other than hiring more drivers, what can we do to stay on pace so that we're not behind the eight ball all the time in this capacity war? Well, let's get the quote faster so we don't lose to someone else that will book it for a certain price. And then they, they've got the driver before we do, right? So we've got to find efficiencies eternally. Um, and again, that's a whole other discussion piece with the, uh, the driver shortage. A big piece of that driver shortage could be um, taken care of overnight if we get our shippers to uh, understand they're part of the problem and get, get them off of their docks and their uh, parking lots a lot faster. When you make a delivery or a pickup and you spend four to five hours on site, that's four to five hours against your clock that that driver could be out on the road. So... Anyway, I don't want to go uh, down that rat hole, if you will, but uh, <laughs> that is a big issue. Yeah, yeah, because I also had um, Ellen, the founder of Women in Trucking, on a few episodes ago as well, and we talked a little bit about the the capacity issue and the and the driver shortage, and, and that is a big challenge. What about visibility? Um, I know on the ocean freight side, uh, visibility is a really big challenge for shippers. Are they having that same kind of issue on the trucking side? Absolutely, and it's being addressed. Visibility is not something we play in right now. We kind of stay want to stay in our uh, our lane. Um, at some point, we're, we've had discussions about bringing best in class visibility partners in, but um, in our case, we're not a, we're not a TMS, if you will, and that's where you would have that visibility for those loads. Where we have visibility is on capacity for like intermodal things of that nature, but visibility and like where's my truck right now? It has been. Uh, 
it was it was almost like last year's topic, if you will, the year before. They've got a pretty good handle on it. There's a bunch of technology and companies doing it. So now we know where those trucks and drivers are. But now our, our issue this year and next year and, and going forward is I need more trucks. Right, right, right. Okay. And then I was taking a look also, and some of those stats on data are huge. You know, what are those stats and what does that mean for supply chain? Well, the stat, like we throw things out for just, you know, data in general, right? Because now we're starting to store and record everything that's out there. So now you have to, to vet that, flesh through it, scrub it, and make sure you have the data that you want, how you want, and then do something with it. If you don't do it, just like everything else, you know, technology-driven, if you're not staying on top of what your, where your industry is going, you're not just not keeping up with them. You're getting way, way, way behind. You're going to harness that information or you're going to perish. Some of the, what you ask, you know, what is that data? It's cost, margin, structured versus non-structured data. What's your historical data? Do you have algorithms to put that data into use? Um, do you have all your contract information and, and the, the variables through that? What is the capacity? Uh, things of that nature. So it's an endless plethora of numbers and metrics, but that's our business. So, you know, the, the term, if you don't know your numbers, you don't know your business, whether you're a mom and pop um, local grocery store or whatever, it's the same thing in our business. Um, make sure you've got, you're on top of those. And to be on top of those and st- stay pace, you have to have technology. You have to have some automation because you, you we're way past the stage of doing it by hand or keeping it in your head or I, or I have a feel for it. I just know that's not going to fly anymore. You will get passed by. Yeah. And it's pretty overwhelming um, for companies in general. It, it is, but... You kind of have to, this is where, you know, kind of being strategic, tactical, whatever term you want to use, you've got to have some automation. It's just like, like anything else. If there's stuff that gets done over and over again, you need to automate it. You need to make sure it's done. It's done accurately, of course, but it's done for you. Why have to reinvent the wheel every time? Um, look, for instance, let's just say we're a broker and we want to um, run a, find a, a, a lane for a customer that's called in, right? Historically, I, I would go through maybe my AS400 or whatever, whatever I had to find what I'd move that lane for. Then I might get onto a lower board like that. Then I might get onto a truckstop.com or some other market sources. I'm going to three, four, five places just to find out what I should be paying for this or what I paid for it in the past before I can look at it and then start determining, well, what's today's climate like? I know what this has done the last few years, the last few months, but what's today's climate like? Oh, what's this customer? Or what have I moved it for this customer in the past for? Or what contract do I have with them? All these different places just to find out what I should be buying this for before I've even started to consider what I'm going to sell it to my customer for. If that can be automated and pop up instantaneously, we talked about speed to market. Why keep doing the same thing over and over again if there's some technology out there that can make it instant for me? Right. So is your customer a shipper or is it a trucking company? Initially, our biggest market were brokers. Um, we, we found a lot of value out of the gate in being a leverage tool, if you will, where a smaller uh, brokerage could compete with with the bigger boys just because, again, speed to market. If, if, I, if I, I know those historicals, even though I haven't moved a bunch of times, but I can, I can harness those outside resources that tell me what that, that move should go for. I, I get much on a much quicker level playing field. We've evolved from there to where we have um, several of the top 10, top 20 ship uh, brokerages in the country doing something for them. Um, it might be creating their intermodal process where they've got great ramp to ramp rates. They've got a huge directory of drayage. So for the pickup and the delivery, 
But if even internally in his company, their size, if they want to find out what that cost would be, they're in spreadsheet purgatory connecting all those dots. We can take all that information, put it in the flux capacitator, and we have an instant tariff for them. So they are getting intermodal rates instant. It's all processes in place um, to make the job quicker and easy. We're not, we, we don't claim to be a, uh, a disruptor, an uberization, or whatever the case may be, whatever the catch word is that week. We don't need to disrupt, disrupt the market or disrupt the industry. People have been doing fine for a long time. Let's help them do it more efficiently, more, with more optimization, more accuracy, and let them do the important things. It's, it's a high-touch relationship, in some ways, uh, market-driven on phone calls for the past. We're, we're conversed. You can see that the transformation is happening to a digital, what they call digital brokering, automatic, auto, excuse me, automated but there are a lot of people who still need to talk to, still relationship-driven. So if we can automate the easy stuff, then your phone calls or your time isn't spent doing busy work for no reason, and you can be building that relationship with that customer. Amazing, amazing. Okay, so let's get back to the data. Um, what types of data are there? Oh, my goodness. Like, like I said, the data could be, particularly on the, on the, the cost and sell side, the data is, again, you, you put in... A customer wants to go from Chicago to Atlanta. Where do I start? Have I moved a form in the past? That, you know, what did I charge for in the past? What do the consolidated load boards, what have they paid for in the past? It's, et cetera, et cetera. So there's, there's that information. There's cost information. There's capacity information. Uh, there's sell rate information. There's uh, tariff information. There is, it's, it goes and goes and goes. Okay, so you mentioned dirty data and reliable data. What is the difference between the two? Okay, so it's really not dirty and data. I, I, I we could say structured and, and non-structured. It's it's um, or dirty and, and non-dirty data. Um, is it how you want to see it? Did you take out any outliers and variables that you don't want to see? Um, do you want to see it with fuel? Do you want to see without fuel? Do you want to see only these customers, all your customers? Do you want to see only these uh Providers, these trucking companies that moved it for you without the trucking companies. Um, do you need to take out outliers during that time? Regionality, where there's storms, what are the outliers? So what, that way you can determine what am I really looking at? Do I have a strategic pricing for my, my wind loss? Can I pull up automatically? I move this lane. I can see what I've moved it for in the past. I can see what I've sold it for in the past. Well, why don't I have a screen that pops up right in front of me and tells me I had 200 of these moves last year? When I quoted it at this up to this rate, I, I wasn't winning, or I was winning, excuse me. When I exceeded this rate, I wasn't winning. If that was right in front of me, I can make a much quicker, much more uh, tactical decision. Um, the information I've got, I've done all the work. I've got an RFP in place. I got a huge yearly contract with uh, customer ABC. Once I've got it in place, how do I manage my expectations? Have I, do I have a dashboard that tells me every day? how much of that, uh, that commitment from them that they're, that, that they're hitting. They've given me 55 lanes. Each lane's got 100 movements. I'm six months into this thing, and out of those 5,000 shipments I'm supposed to have had, I've had 500. What's going on? What are we doing wrong? Do I need to reach out to the customer? Things of that nature. That's data that's already existing, but is it being harnessed? Is it being utilized, and is it going to help you make more money and secure more customers? 
Yeah, and you're going to be able to get to that determination a lot faster than the traditional ways, right? You know, if the if the customer said you were supposed to, you know, have this many shipments um, within this period of time, and they're and they're not traditionally, you know, you really wouldn't know that for a few months afterwards. But now with those types of algorithms and being able to mine that data, they're able to know that a lot sooner um, and not lose out on the revenue that they would have had in those those months doing it the traditional way. Absolutely. Absolutely. So so then I don't know if you can name company names or not, but let's get into some real life examples. Can you give us some real life examples of how you guys have worked with a customer and how you've how you've used your system and how data has been used as a solution to some of the challenges that they've faced? Absolutely. Well, one that I spoke of, we have a product called Award Tracker. So um, we have our customers, we help them, we'll help them batch rate, et cetera, and secure the, the RFP from the customer. So now the customer's account is in place, they've got that RFP, and they're shipping for them. So we have a dashboard, Award Tracker, that'll build up and tell you how much of that percentage of, of that contract has expired. Uh, if you've given X amount of lanes, how many many of those lanes are in compliance to the commitment? How, how far along is the contract? Um, then we can look and see the ones that we have moved, who's moved it for them, what's been our margin. Um, we also uh, load in the advise the customer to, to let us know which lanes you bid on and did not win, and we will track that with you. And you might be getting those lanes. Um, they may have decided to give those to someone that underbid you but can't get them covered, so you are covering them now, and that's great information to have, particularly for next year's RFP, so you don't blindly underbid yourself trying to get what you think you lost last year and leave money on the table. So that's been a great one. Um, in the intermodal world, we've done a fantastic job, or I'm excited about what we've done is uh, create door-to-door products for several of the IMCs out there that have these aggressive ramp-to-ramp rates, but nowhere to sell if a larger IMC or their legacy broker doesn't purchase from them. So, we, again, we take their drainage directory, the ramp-to-ramp rates, we create door-to-door products, we attach an API feed to it, and we put it out to our larger 3PL and broker customers, and it works much like a, uh, almost like an LTL TMS. The, you run a rate, the rates pop up uh, instantaneously. If you want to book it, you'll click it, and it'll send you to that carrier, that, that IMC provider, and it'll be booked, and no fuss, no muss. Because one of the things that's, I have a long history in the 3PL world that kept a lot of us out of the intermodal world, it was, we didn't know it. We were a little bit scared of it, or we didn't know how to connect drainage. We didn't know how those things worked, and we were in an automated world. That's why LTL has taken off in the 3PL world the last 10 years, because it's it works like orbits, you know. Uh, the way we, we fly in airplanes and, and pick our flights is how we can pick our LTL loads now. Very automated. We're doing that in the intermodal world now, and that's uh, making a lot of customers happy. Um, we, we, I talked about um, all the work that goes into a quote, a truckload quote, and historically it's very um, labor-heavy, talking to the customer back and forth, emailing back and forth. Well, every large customer, you've got a, let's say you've got 100 customers. Your, your bottom 10 probably quote the heck out of you, keep you on the phone a whole lot. Um, and they book just enough moves with you that you don't fire them. You feel, you know, you don't want to let that business go, but man, they're keeping your people away from the, the much more margin heavy or easier to do business with. We can create a customer portal. The customer will have it. It'll all be automated because 
they want a rate, they pump it in. We'll help you create an algorithm with the sell rate. That's what the customer sees. Kind of take it or leave it. They click on it. It comes back to your team. You can source that load, et cetera. Now that person's time can be much, again, used on the higher end. And what we found, folks that have done that, they're not losing any of those business. Often they're gaining because they're ease of use. Um, and it's a win-win situation. The customers like it because they were just either using it as a quote machine or because um, they did it out of, pra- out of practice. Now they can get that information as soon as they want and not waiting for you to get back to them. Yeah. How are you finding that uh, shippers are handling that? Because obviously in the traditional world of uh, trucking and, and freight forwarding, which we're sort of coming out of now with the insurgence of technology. Um, everybody's been sort of used to the way that, that it's been. And especially when you talk about customers like that, that, you know, do take up some time and are a little bit more, um, you need to hold their hand a little bit more, et cetera, et cetera. Are you finding that they're tradition, they're transitioning uh, easier and there, there, there. Um, there's some positive feedback to that, or is there a little bit of pushback? Uh, there's always an education process, um, and the ones that would fight it too hard, especially if there's a low revenue number, a high, high quote customer, um, it'll flesh them out, and you might that make may make the decision easier that they're not a good match for you anyway. Um, the easily adopters end up being bigger customers, and it's much better use of time. And we found it. Like I said, the bottom 10, it's a great one for it, but often it's it's a better tool for your top 10 customers as well because they're often they're your top 10 guys. They're not quoting you out. They're not competing all the time. They're just used to calling you or emailing you on every load because that's what they've always done. If you give them the customer portal, those 10 phone calls a day, they get those 10 loads, come down to two phone calls, calls a day to still get those 10 loads because those phone calls are just built on the relationship. Yeah, and I'm, I'm, finding, I'm finding that um, shippers are wanting more and more of that anyways. You know, they're asking for more of the the automation um, because even on their their side it's a lot of admin as well so that's great so how does mining data compare to the disruptors invading the transportation industry well how can you disrupt and invade the transportation industry if you don't have data good point how will they know what to do unless they're coming in and completely underselling it, just trying to win the market right so it's, it's an equalizer um, the, fa- the foundation a real-time pricing is historical data and capacity data, right? So if, if they come in without that, they'll never get in. So the existing legacy customers that might be worried about that, you've got all the tools you need. You've got more than they, than they do. How about we just optimize it? All right? Because um, often, you know, their big thing is we're automated. It's feed to markets an automatic quote. A lot, and a, lot, a lot of folks are wondering, how are they doing that? You can do it too. You just have to have the right tools in place. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree with that. And we've talked a lot about, you know, how businesses can optimize the data, but what do businesses face if they don't get the data right? Um, I know that you said, you know, demise or, or perish in, in, in previous questions um, a few minutes ago, but, and I guess that's, I mean, I guess with all the technology and, and everything like that, it's a pretty real statement, um, but what else can they face? Well, they're going to price, for one, they may price themselves out of the market because they're not staying up to speed on, on what's happening there. They can price themselves out of the market by being too high, or they can price themselves out of the market by being too low and, and taking too many losses, not 
you know, it's a cyclical market, right? With the struggle of brokers in particular, it's, 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 it's high cotton or we're down in the dust bowl. Well, if you don't make enough money, the good money, when the times are good, you're not going to have those resources later because they will get bad. It's inevitable. So you need to maximize how much you make now. So don't you dare leave any money on the table just because you weren't lazy or you didn't spend a little bit of money on technology or you weren't open-minded to connect the dots. Absolutely. I love that. And there's, you know, there's a lot of companies that are struggling with that right now. And, and I think they need to get on board with data. I think you're, you're absolutely right. And it's such a fine line, you know, like margins aren't what they used to be in some cases. Um, the speed to market to actually be able to obtain that shipment and, um, you know, always being the lowest and not making any money and you're handling it all with, um, you know, humans, you know, employees and team members and things like that. There's a lot of admin costs that go to that that might not be. That's one of the great points is you can't gauge your employee effectiveness, right? You, you can't manage what you can't measure. So in, in the past, it says, you know, we're, we're in hyper growth. We're just going to keep throwing bodies. We're going to throw bodies at it, throw bodies at it. But not all bodies are the same. If, you know, the, the target area has been, you know, about a million dollars a seat in the broker world. What if you start getting incremental growth of 1.2, 1.3, 1.5 million dollars per seat? So you can still get that growth based on te- based on some technology tools as opposed to just hiring more body and going through that learning curve and going through the all the headaches that go with with extra employees that come to the market dips. Are you going to start people now? That's not the way you want to do it. No, absolutely not. <laughs> All right. So what do businesses face if they don't get the data right? I mean, we've talked about in the last couple of questions, you know, perishing, you know, not being able to sustain themselves. So, but what do they face? What are the other things that they face if they don't get the data right? Uh, three of the big things I see right away is one is they'll price themselves out of the market, either uh, asking too much and not getting the business or not getting enough and leaving money on the table. Um, Truckload brokerage in and of itself is a cyclical market. Um, you got to survive the bad times, but you've got to put enough away when it's when it's hot, so that you can get through those those bad times. Um, but you've got to be smart about it. You can't just ignore and say, "Oh, we're growing, we're growing, we're growing," and not build your infrastructure or buy a new car with all that extra money. You've got to put some resources into uh, into your system, into your technology, to make it that much easier to push that hyper growth and to maximize it. Um, in the good times. Um, another thing is you can't gauge your employee effectiveness. You can't manage what you can, what you can't measure, right? So oh, we're growing, we're growing. I'm just I, I keep hiring people. I'm just going to hire people. Well, don't just hire people. Make maximize the people. You know the target typically historically for a brokerage is about a million dollars a seat. What if you get through technology and get an incremental growth of 1.1, 1.2, 1.5 million per seat? That's, that's uh, number one. That's that's tremendous. You're not you don't have the extra cost, and it also will help you when when there's a dip in the market. Are you going to start firing people? No, you you're, you're maximizing. Be a force multiplier. Um, another thing is they lose oversight of commitments, such as that award tracker tool. Let's make sure we're held to a higher standard when we service our customers. Let's make sure our, in turn our customers treat us appropriately, and let's manage that. Yeah, absolutely. That human element is obviously, you know, part of all of this. You you want to make sure that they are being effective. And if you, like you said earlier, if you're just keeping busy and, and throwing people at the work, um, you're not really taking care of the business. You're not really really taking care of those costs that are adding up. And you know, overhead costs um, can can also cycle. 
right? You know, if minimum wage goes up or if, if different things happen where, where you have to pay more for that, for that uh, body to be able to manage that part of the business, I mean, you might not be profitable. That's absolutely right. Um, years, you know, when I first got here a year ago, some of the pushback we would get from some of the old school brokers was, well, how many more shipments is it going to get me? And I'm like, partner, that's up to you. But if I can get you that shipment that much quicker, your people have more time to get on the phone. They've also made more money on that shipment because they had a more uh, informed buy rate and a more informed sell rate, and they did it a lot quicker. So that's going to be up to you and how you manage them. Yeah, I think, and it's a really good point moving forward. You know, I think in our industry, I think that we, a lot of the costs get absorbed in the admin work. You know, the phone calls, the emails, everything like that, because everybody wants it now, 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 and there's so many emails coming through and, and even phone calls still. And uh, I think that that's just not getting considered when we're looking at cost and, and data big data and, and what you guys are doing will definitely help businesses really face those facts and, and take a look at it, be more efficient and, and essentially more profitable. So um, we're going to wind this down now. What is next for Logistical Labs? It sounds like you guys are working on some really great things. You talked about visibility earlier in the show. Um, what's next for you guys? The one word, uh, our Q1 goals, we're going to come out with a uh, RFP hosting tool. So we can obtain the, the, the entire RFP environment. Um, a customer can go in, they can throw out their RFP to all their, their sources. The sources can respond. We'll host it all. And then it'll come back and play. And uh, then it'll go into our award tracker tool. So once you have the RFP in place, um, you have one environment to initiate the RFP, host it, award it, and manage it. Awesome. We're going to continue to build out our rate dex tool that um, we just released to some key customers. Uh, as I said earlier, historically at Logistical Labs, we were concentrating on helping people make a better buy buy on the on the on the truckload brokerage. Now we've helped we've created a tool that allows our customers to build their own algorithm on what to sell it at. It, it includes you know sales is kind of an art and a science, right? And, and the science is those things like um, accessorial fees, you know, very very straightforward. The art is the tribal knowledge piece. Okay, I know what I'm buying buying it for. I know what these accessorial fees should charge. But what does the market bear? What are the conditions in that region? What does this customer look like? What does this, this commodity um, space look like? So we can put some of that information into the algorithm so that your younger people and newer people um, can shorten their learning curve and they have a suggested or a, a market sell price um, with all those, those uh, parameters put in place. And again, um, efficiency, speed to market, don't have to ask as many questions and don't leave any money on the table. And it's a great tool for those folks that want to customer portal where they shoot at a, uh, just a straightforward price to their customers um, to make a more accurate, informed uh, price request. Awesome. Awesome. Well, there you have it, listeners. Number one, identify the challenge or problem. Number two, simplify data. And number three, use it to drive your business forward. Chris and his team at Logistical Labs, again, has given us more information on this topic in a free download that will be available on letstalksupplychain.com forward forward slash season two dash episode two. And make sure to check them out at Logistical Labs. That's L-O-G-I-S-T-I-C-A-L-L-A-S. 
bs.com. We will also have all of their social media information on our website as well. Thank you so much, Chris, for coming on the show. Thank you. I really enjoyed it. Good luck in the future with all your uh, your pod, future podcasts. On our next show, I am excited to bring you Women in Supply Chain Part 3 with some powerful women. Founder of Women in Logistics, Stacey Roth, and Global Senior Logistics Program Manager at Uber, Heather Gifford, are here to talk to us all about the importance of women in supply chain and how they bring value to the community every single day. Ships is starting to gain traction in the supply chain community, so make sure you don't miss out and sign up to be one of the first to know about what we are doing. ICO, blockchain, and collaboration are all involved, and I cannot wait to tell you more. Thank you so much for all your love and support on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and even Spreaker. And remember, everybody, ship has happens.